So we're in the third week of a series of I Am Jesus in His Own Words, and uh, today's I Am the Good Shepherd, because we believe that transformation comes not only by you know, navel-gazing and, and looking inward, um, but by looking at the words of Jesus and how he explains and describes who he is in his own words, that he is the good shepherd. And I'm, I'm guilty of this in church where a lot of times pastors will preach on this, and I did it last week. You talk about how dumb sheep are, right? And I showed a video of how a sheep jumped into a ditch and then it jumped back into the ditch after it got set free. Um, and, and we tend to do that in church with this passage about talking about sheep and their ignorance. And that's true. I mean, sheep don't know what they don't know. They, they forget. They, get, they wander. Uh, they, of course, you know, there's a, they get into a world of hurt, basically, without a shepherd. And I learned this this week that um, the reason you have to graze sheep is because if they stay on one piece of land, they will literally pick it clean until there's nothing left. And then they'll actually eat each other's doo-doo. That's a church word, um, and die. I didn't know this. Uh, and sheep also, the ones that are wayward, a shepherd, would, the ones that are really wayward, they'll break a leg of the sheep and put it around their shoulders. And then once it heals, that sheep never goes anywhere after that. Now, I'm, when I hear that, I'm like, God, please don't break my legs. You know, I'm, I'm not interested in that. But that's kind of the practice of, of shepherding and sheep. But this text we're going to look at, it's, it's not about how stupid sheep are. It, you have to let the text speak for itself and let it say what it's saying without putting our own meaning on top of it. And what the text here shows us is that it's not about the stupidity of the sheep or the ignorance of the sheep or even the waywardness of the sheep. But this passage is about the goodness of the shepherd, the love of the shepherd, and the faithfulness of the shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells us this, the thief comes only to steal, to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong in this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it up from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. So this passage is about sheep. It's also more about the goodness of the shepherd. Sheep are ordinary. They're, they're plentiful. That We know this about sheep. And I want you to remember that phrase that Jesus said, I came that they, the sheep, may have life. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am a big fan of college basketball. Uh, anybody else in the room enjoy yesterday and all the games and whatnot? Uh, it's my favorite sports time of year. It's my favorite uh, sport in general. Um, and I, I'm a sort of a student of the game. I played you know, in high school. Uh, now I can jump. It's just the landing part that, uh, meh. But um, I've, always been, I've always loved the 1983 NC State Wolfpack team, right? 
So I'm, some of y'all went to NC State, so. Um, but uh, I've always been enamored with that team, and there was a 30 for 30 documentary about them, and uh, what, a, what a miraculous run those guys had, just incredible. And of course, the, the head coach was Jim Valvano, famously, um, and he, he gave a speech in the late 80s, um, sort, sort of, some sort of like corporate gig, and he gave like a motivational message, and he said something in that speech where he was 16 years old and uh, at a basketball camp in New York, and a, a minister spoke to the, the camp, and his name was Reverend Bob Richards, and he said, the reverend said something at that camp that changed my life forever, and I never forgot it. And he said, Re Reverend Richards got up in front of all of us kids, and he said, the Lord must love ordinary people because he made so many of us ordinary. And Valvano paused, and he was like, well, that doesn't make me feel good. I'm 16, I already feel ordinary. I, I already feel out of place. You know? And then he said the next phrase is what changed his life. The Lord must love ordinary people because he made so many of us ordinary, but every single day in every walk of life, ordinary people do extraordinary things. Ordinary people accomplish extraordinary things. His life was never the same after that, just because Jesus says we're sheep, it doesn't mean we're stupid and we can't do extraordinary things. Yes, we're ordinary and the love must love ordinary people because he made so many of us. And through ordinary people, God can do the extraordinary because he's good and he's the good shepherd. Whenever I'm in big crowds, like thousands of people, I kind of like people watching. You ever do that? <laughs> um, where you just watch. We do have sort of like a herd mentality. If you watch people in big crowds. and uh, not, So next time you're in a crowd, watch, watch, look around. Now don't be creepy about it. Someone might catch you on their phone or something. Don't know stranger danger type stuff. But, but I, it's, it's interesting to watch people. that we do, sort of, we do sort of do that sort of thing. And Jesus says that we're sheep. Uh, you know, we're ordinary, but see, through God's eyes, ordinary is exceptional. He must love ordinary people because he made so many of us. You look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm ordinary and I'm exceptional. Through the lens of the kingdom of God, this runs from top to bottom. The last will be first, the first will be last. You save your life for yourself, you lose it. If you lose your life for the kingdom, you find it. The oppressed become the victor. The poor in the spirit can become rich in the spirit. Those who are enslaved with chains get free. The proud get humble, the humble get proud. The ordinary are extraordinary in God's eyes. A reminder that he must love the ordinary because there's so many of us and because the goodness of the shepherd. But people, we tend to think that we're worthless, that we're not, we don't never amount to much because we are here today and gone tomorrow. We're like the flowers of the field. The Lord remembers that we are made of dust as a good Lenten reminder. But it doesn't mean that God can't do extraordinary things through the sheep because of the goodness of the shepherd. But see, sin has a way of, of getting into the minds of believers and unbelievers, and we tend to shrink God down into our capacity and puff ourselves up by our own estimation. But the grace of God frees us from that. 
to stop shrinking God down and, and diminishing the goodness of the shepherd and puff up the extraordinary magnificence and goodness of who God is. Yes, we may be ordinary, but we're not insignificant. Through ordinary people, God can do extraordinary things. Now, there's three things in this passage we'll go back and look at that about the sheep. Verses 12 through 14, the sheep are cared for. Jesus says, I'm not just a hired hand. I own these sheep. These are mine. I will defend them. They're my own. I will not bail on you when trial comes, when the enemy or the wolf comes. What is the wolf? Could be sin, flesh, the devil, all sorts of things. Jesus says, I will not bail on you. I will care for you. And he he contrasts himself by saying, I am the good shepherd. I'm not just a shepherd. I am the good shepherd. He is coming up against maybe some of the religious teachers that are there listening to him, the Jewish leaders, and he's saying, hey, I'm the good shepherd. I don't know about the rest of y'all. Some of y'all are not good, but, and you don't own the sheep, and when times are tough, y'all will scatter and run, and the flock will just go everywhere, but I'm not going anywhere. I care for my sheep. See, God doesn't just, I don't think, we know that God doesn't just put up with us. Do you have people in your life that you sort of uh, you just endure them, like you're just waiting for the conversation to, to end. But you're picturing someone right now in your mind, just don't say it out loud, but you know you're enduring the conversation and thinking, oh, I, 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 you know. And See, God doesn't just have his head in his hands when he's thinking about us. He just doesn't. He's not popping Tums and Excedrin and, and going, oh, these people, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, he's, that's not who he is. He's not just enduring us. He doesn't just put up with us. He's He's caring for us as his property, as his sheep, as his people, one flock, one shepherd. And he cares for us so much, he re- Jesus repeatedly says in this passage, I willingly lay down my life. I, I choose to give my life. Of course, a foreshadowing of the cross. I, I will, the sheep are died for. I, I, do it, I do it of my own volition on their behalf. Now, for for a good portion of my life, the cross, I didn't fully understand it. Like, what does the death of a Jewish man 2,000 years ago, what bearing does that have on my life today? Like, how, how it's, it's so abstract. How do, I, how do I connect with that? Like, how do I know that this, now we talked about that two weeks ago. We talked about I am the bread, the living bread, and, and the importance of, of Jesus' sacrifice. So I can't get into all of that. I don't have time, but We know that Jesus had no sin and he became sin on the cross for our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. That he took the punishment and and the blame for our sin that we couldn't atone for ourselves. Now, my wife, Anne-Marie, is the children's minister here and she has a great um, illustration she uses for children about the cross that because you, you can't sit down a group full of kids and say, hey, kids, do you know what a metaphor is? Like, they, what? They no idea. So it's so abstract. So she uses an analogy of a, of a report card. And she, she says to them, now go ahead and grade yourself of, of your goodness, of your righteousness. And they might say, well, I'll give myself an A or a B or a C or something like that. And then she says, would you like to see my report card? And, oh, well, Sure. And she says, well, according to the Bible, my report card is all Fs. That this is, my righteousness doesn't me- measure up to the goodness of God. 
I can't bridge that divide. And then she pulls out Jesus' report card. Of course, A's. A plus. Valedictorian all the way. And she's, she says, Jesus gives me his report card. And now when God looks at me, he sees Jesus' score on my behalf. That this is what the cross does for us. And we receive it by faith. So if you're a literal-minded person, you're going to have to take a leap there. But as I always tell people, if you're being led by, if you're going in faith, it means that you're being led. It means that the love of God is leading you, is, is the, the prevenient grace of God is present with you. He wants you to know his love. He wants you to receive the cross for yourself. It is the gift of God for us. And that goes in line with the third point of this passage is that, that sheep are pursued. The love of God pursues us. Verses 16, it says that, that he runs after his sheep. These sheep are mine. See, Jesus' audience here is ethnic Jews. It's all Jewish people, more than likely, the majority in this crowd he's talking to. And he's pointing to people beyond the crowd that are listening. See, God is not ethnocentric. God is not more in love with one country over another. God, Jesus is pointing toward Gentiles here. He's saying there are other, pe- other people outside of this flock I have to go get. That's me and you. And I'm running after them. See, God's flock is a melting pot of humanity. Every nation, race, and tribe. That's how it is in heaven right now. So we might as well get started here on earth. And the, the Jews listening, they wanted a Davidic king, a military king, a political, earthly king king. Jesus says, no, I've got one flock. I am the one shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and I have come to seek and save what's mine, either Jew or non-Jew. And even to this day, Jesus is doing the same thing. He's seeking and saving the lost. Now, I know there's a lot of Christians in the room or watching at home, but there's some people that hear this message of Jesus pursuing you, caring for you, dying for you. He's good in that way. And people will say things like, not me. It can't be true for me. God won't tolerate people who struggle like me. I've got too much baggage for him to receive. And what, see, what, when we run from the good shepherd and we wander away, we're actually proving him to be correct. It's one thing to be lost. We've all gotten lost. It's quite another to choose to be found. In Isaiah 1.18, the, the Lord is reasoning with the nation of Israel. And you see a lot of shepherd imagery in Isaiah. Where the Lord says, come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. His words transcend all time. It's still the same word for us today. The Lord's saying, let me reason with you. Look, I acknowledge that you've got a lot of baggage. Your sin runs deep. It is like scarlet, and you can't get rid of it. You can't get the guilt and the shame off your back. I acknowledge that. I'm going to give you purity where you have not been pure. I am good. I will, I will die for you. I will pursue you. I, I, I will care for you. But see, in Jesus' day, they understood this analogy of sheep and shepherds and land. That was their world. They, 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 they got his illustration of what he was saying. Today, not so much with us. So think of it this way. Let's say, 
let's say I'm like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, and I can just sneeze a billion dollars, like just, oh, excuse me, I dropped that, put it back in my pocket. Won't even miss it. They, they might miss a billion, but still. Let's say I, let's say I'm, I've got that I, I've got that kind of paper. I just throw that out there. Billion, you know, take it if you want. Let's say if I came to you and I said, "Here's a cool billion. Just I'm giving it to you," and you came back to me and you said, "No, I don't. I can't handle that. Like I can barely handle the 50k I make a year. Like I, I just don't think I got. I can handle the." I've seen like that lottery dream home show and people just their lives fall apart when they win the lottery. Like who would do that, right? No, you would, I would tell you, take the billion and you figure it out, right? It's the same with the, the offering of the good shepherd. Just take the grace and figure it out. Why in the world would you reject any, the offer? You cannot and will not out the grace of God. Someone say amen on that one. You cannot outsend the grace of God. You cannot outgive the generosity of God. You cannot outdo the goodness of God. But see, the root of all sin is not only shrinking God down and puffing ourselves up. When you do that, you're de-godding God. You're lowering God and what he can do and what he p- could potentially do. And you're exalting yourself. A lot of us is that some of us will base our righteousness on other people and not on the righteousness of Christ. And we'll, we'll come to God and say, look God, here's my righteousness. I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as Bob. Sorry if your name is Bob. That's just an illustration. <laughs> I'm not as bad as, as Lucy. I'm not, you know, but when you, you're comparing your righteousness to other people. And the Christian is someone who says, my righteousness is like rags, like Paul said. All that I am is what Christ has done for me. If you're in Christ, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, God loves you, but you and I are terrible gods. You you and I can't atone for our sin. You and I can't determine the, the standard of our own righteousness. Only God can do that. If your righteousness is based on being better than someone else, Well, the Bible calls that self-righteousness. And that is a hindrance to the kingdom of God being known in your life. But the Lord says, come now, let us reason together. Listen, though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them like snow. I will absolve you of the impurity and the weight and the deadness that covers you. Now, we've all heard of the 23rd Psalm. It's probably, you've seen it on coffee mugs. Some of you may have a tattoo somewhere. Um, I mean, even if you're not a church person, 23rd Psalm, right, it's everywhere. And I thought a great way to close this is to read the 23rd Psalm together and claim it for yourself, to to deliberately just let these words sink in. Because isn't it beautiful that Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd, and here is the, the Spirit speaking through David hundreds of years before that. And it's, it's the cry of the human heart and saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He is my ultimate good shepherd. So let's stand together and read this low, read this slow together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. God, we love that word, that we are a people in need of goodness and mercy to follow us. God, we are a people in need that we do long to dwell in the house of the Lord. Thank you, God, for moments like these where we get just a, a foretaste, just a, just a smattering of what is to come. That although now we see through a glass darkly, one day we shall see as we are meant to see and we will know as we are meant to know. And that you long and you are gathering your people as one flock because you are the good shepherd and you are the one true shepherd and you never stop pursuing us. Maybe you'll even discipline us in order to bring us back to yourself. Thank you, God. You are good. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.